0: Welcome to Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars' daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, March 31st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Chiefs news marches on, and today, beat writer Herbie Teopie and I discuss the latest developments, starting with the return of wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and the departure of linebacker Reggie Ragland. After a break, we get into more Chiefs moves and take a look at what might be the Chiefs' intentions during the NFL draft next month. So here we go with Herbie Teope. Herbie, do you have an extra hundred and seventy-seven dollars on you?
1: (laughs) I don't know, but the cheeseburger has some overdraft protection.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I saw that figure the other day, and it was—it's one of several figures that are estimated. For the amount of money that the Chiefs have in their salary uh, cap, a couple other numbers I saw are in the negative. But this one was to the good: one hundred and seventy-seven dollars, enough to pay your cable bill or your car ins- car insurance or whatever you're doing with one hundred and seventy-seven bucks. But we know that uh, you know the, the, we knew that this was going to be an issue for the Chiefs through this free agency period. But how did um, how did they end up? so close to the line and, 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 and where do they, where do they go from here? Because it's obviously you can't do anything with a, I don't think a player is going to sign for 177 bucks
1: next year. Hey, fully guaranteed though, man, fully guaranteed. (laughs) I'll I'll take it. You you can pay your Netflix bill for at least the next six months. (laughs) It's a good question how they got here. Uh, But as you said, we knew this was going to happen, even coming into this, well, before we hit free agency, well before the regular season was over, a lot of forecasters were looking at this and saying they were not going to be heavily involved in free agency because they had some salary cap challenges. Now they were able to finagle it. They got creative. This is one thing that Brett Veach has been saying ever since the NFL scouting combine that they would have to get creative to navigate through their salary cap. And and you saw some signings. You, they brought back Mike Pinnell. They brought back, Anthony Sherman. They brought back DeMarcus Robinson. They were able to sign Mike Remmers, Antonio Hamilton, Chad Henney. Uh, who am I forgetting here? I'm not, forgetting. Oh, and Jordan Tamu. Yeah. So they were able to navigate it. But now, because they haven't done anything else as far as restructuring other contracts, now you're in a bind here, and they're going to have to get creative sooner than later. Because one thing that you have to remember that you got the draft here coming up in a month, and According to so many salary cap websites, they have to have at least $4.7 million to sign their draft class this year. So sooner or later, you're going to have to start taking a look at Sammy Watkins. You're going to have to look at Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. You're going to have to look at Anthony Hitchens. What can we do with these contracts that count so much against the salary cap where we can restructure it or outright cut them and gain some cap space? They need cap space in a hurry.
0: Yeah, um, so it it, it, ha- it has to happen before the draft. I mean, I I, I guess I don't know the exact timetable of between uh, draft and then uh, and then signing. But isn't there there? I would imagine there's some NFL rule that says once you better have the money in the bank to, to enter the draft. I mean, you uh, uh, the, the Chiefs are going to have to come up with at least that that amount of money that you talked about before they before the draft hits, which is in what
1: April, uh fourth, fourth week in April. Yeah, April the 23rd through the 25th. Now here's the deal: you can still have the draft. You know, from my understanding, you can still have the draft. Because you they haven't they have to put their their name on the piece of paper. They have to sign that thing for their contract. And, and as you recall, and, and during the offseason, the rookie mini camps, etc, a lot of players still aren't signed yet, but they will participate in the rookie mini camp. And we don't even know if they're going to have a rookie mini camp this year because right. of the coronavirus epi- uh, pandemic that's going on around the world. A lot of off-season workout programs may get pushed back. We, we may see some instances where there's an abbreviated form of organized team activities, also known as OTAs, or maybe even push back to the start of training camp. But the bottom line here is for the Chiefs, because as of right now, by my numbers, they have 68, 69 people on the off-season roster. You include the five draft picks. Now, don't forget, you also have a slew of undrafted free agents that the Chiefs will probably bring aboard. And you have to have a kiddie pool available for training camp to deal with the inevitable injuries. You're going to see some signings during training camp. But as of right now, $177 ain't going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And they could spread that out, don't you
0: think? (laughs) All right. So one of the players you mentioned is uh, Demarcus Robinson, the wide receiver who agreed to uh, a deal with the Chiefs. What I thought was interesting, I read this, uh, and like others that the Chiefs have signed, the Chiefs benefit from a, a relatively new rule about veterans. Uh, how, how much uh, you know? How much of their contract counts against the cap? It's almost like a little bit of a discount. Uh, about a million of Demarcus Robinson's new deal counts against the cap
1: because of some new NFL rule. Yeah, the CBA. That, that was the key thing. Everything took effect once they once the, the player union ratified the CBA. A lot of those rules took effect now. So th- there goes the part about being creative. You know, you were able to sign a Demarcus Robinson back because he's not going to count so much against the cap this year. Interesting thing with Demarcus Robinson is the sources tell me that he did receive a lot of interest out there on the open market. But, you know, he, he decided to come back to the Chiefs. I'm sure he would have got paid more. Out there, But I've, this helps the Chiefs. With, when you bring back a guy like Demarcus Robinson, you don't have to worry about addressing wide receiver in this year's draft. Well, you might want to do it, but not necessarily early, if, if you get what I'm saying here, because now right. you've got your top four guys back. You've got Tyreek Hill, uh, Watkins, depending on what happens with his contract. You've got McCole Hardman. And as we know, Andy Reid has been saying since the combine, this guy is a starter. So if they do lose Watkins, now you got Hardman who can slide into that, start, that starting spot there, along with Robinson,
0: and still have Byron Pringle on the uh, on the roster. I, I don't know what his future is, but he's a player that the Chiefs have liked and have uh, they've given him some snaps. Special teams guy, uh, he was on the receiving end of one of Patrick Mahomes' most artistic touchdown uh, passes this year against the Colts. The the crazy scramble and Pringle. I think it's his only NFL touchdown reception. So you're right. The position group seems okay. And I think as we have have established over the last two years, Mahomes tends to make whoever he's throwing to look better. Um, He's just, you know, uh, I I think a lot of people would want to play that position with the Chiefs because of the prospect of playing with Patrick Mahomes. But a little bit more on DeMarcus, since we haven't talked about him since the last time we talked – Last year, 32 receptions, career high, four, 449 yards, also a career best. Four touchdown receptions matches his career high. And Herbie, you had not joined us uh, when DeMarcus turned in his best game of the year. It was in week two out at Oakland where he had 172 yards of receptions and, and a couple of touchdowns, and most of those came in one quarter. It was the second quarter. It was incredible. And I looked this up. I didn't realize this. Um, because of the injuries to Tyreek Hill, the injury to Tyreek Hill, and McCole Hardman was a rookie, um, and, and, and um, you know just some other factors, Demarcus Robinson had the second most snaps among wide receivers this year at at 735, and if you throw in his 66 special team snaps, he was on the field more than any Chiefs wide receiver this season. So, and he's a guy, as you said, I, I think could have been a – um, a, a recipient of the Super Bowl bounce, you know, and uh, a, a value, an increased value based on, you know, being associated with a with a, a Super Bowl winning team. Others, you know, I'd heard the Packers might have been interested, the 49ers, the Giants at one time. But I think the Chiefs thought enough of Demarcus Robinson to, you know, give him the, you know, bring him back and, and, and give him the deal. I, I think the Chiefs see value in Demarcus Robinson.
1: I, I believe they absolutely do. And, you know, not – Outside of the stats, he meant a lot as well blocking downfield. Robinson was a good blocker, a good block and wide receiver. And when you look at the players that the Chiefs did bring back, Chad Henney, you know, obviously he's not going to start over Patrick Mahomes barring an injury. But you look at your Mike Pinnells, your Anthony Shermans and your Robinsons. These are the guys who had a niche And a specific role on the team. And and you can't win Super Bowls without solid role players. And and that trio right there certainly fit that bill. I think with Robinson, he brings that familiarity. And, And from his point of view, you know, last year was a contract season. But unfortunately, he happened to have a contract season in this year's draft class, which is widely touted and widely regarded as the best wide receiver class in decades. So he had that unfortunate thing going against him, which is why you've seen such a slow market for wide receivers in free agency, because a lot of teams are looking at this year's draft class saying, we don't need to spend big on wide receivers. We can draft a guy this year and just be responsible for that rookie contract. And then once that rookie contract expires, then, then the guy can get his money. I think with Robinson this year, if you produce the numbers, in what is now a contract year, and then next year, when the when the wide receiver draft class isn't so great, now he can go out there and get paid. He's still young.
0: Yeah, yeah, those are great points, and I, I loved what you said about his blocking ability. That is that is absolutely underappreciated about Demarcus Robinson. He's a you know he's a player. He, he's a good locker room guy and uh, gets along with everybody there. He's He's uh, and, and on the field he he really is a whatever it takes to get the job done sort of wide receiver. He's also been a guy who I've noticed when um uh, when, Met, when Mahomes is in trouble, when he scrambles around, because Robinson isn't often a first or section op- a second option, he ends up finding Robinson. You know, uh, d- defenders leave whoever they're, you know, they leave Robinson to, to go cover Hill or Kelsey, and and there's Demarcus open. And I think some of his biggest plays in the Chiefs' uniform have come on what we used to think of as broken plays, but Patrick Mahomes has changed the the definition of what a broken play is. So, yeah. I listen. That's a it's a good signing for the Chiefs, and um, and another player that uh, we have not been able to talk about yet is someone who they have uh, someone who has signed somewhere else, and that's linebacker Reggie Ragland. Now Ragland signed with the Lions, and this is a guy who came to the Chiefs with uh, high expectations. Uh, before the, the 2018 season, he had come off an injury. You know, it, he did not play for the Bills and uh, was injured. Chiefs thought they were getting a, a really good player in Reggie Raglan, but Raglan only played 235 defense, defensive snaps this year, fourth among the linebackers. Um, and that was way down. That was less than half of what he produced in, in uh, 2018. But I will say this, he did start the Super Bowl. He was, uh, the chief started three linebackers against the 49ers and he was, he was one of them. So what are the chiefs? Why, why would the chiefs have made uh, the decision not to re-sign Reggie
1: Ragland? I, I think if anything, when you look at Ragland's snaps, he's widely regarded as a stout run stuffer. He, he's very styled against the run, but what, where the Chiefs had issues last year, even when Ragland eventually returned to the starting lineup, we're, we're against receivers coming out of the backfield, your tight ends, especially your running backs. Uh, the, the one that really sticks out to me is Austin Eckler, a hundred yards receiving against the Chiefs down there in Mexico city. But it wasn't just that a hundred yard game. It was as, as you look at the running backs, what running backs gave the Chiefs the most fits. It was the receiving type running backs and, and Ragland is a very good player against a run. No ands, if, buts about it. But the Chiefs were in their base 4-3 defense nine of the 16 games last year. So seven of those games, they had to go to a nickel package. When you go to a nickel package, that means just two linebackers on the field, and that was Hitchens and Damian Wilson. And so Raglan was relegated to the sidelines. I, I think the Chiefs, by letting Raglan go, are signaling, look, we're, we're going to be in the market for a linebacker that can cover and – you know, at the Combine, that was one of my stories at the Combine where I, I wrote about that, where this year's draft class, once again, you know, it's a deep draft class, but there are a lot of linebackers in this year's draft class who can play the pass as well. You know, I, I think of when I talked to Virginia linebacker Jordan Mack, you know, he just says overall, you know, I, I think I'm a great coverage linebacker and, and the ability to, to cover means you're on the field more. And he's absolutely correct.
0: I think of uh, the, the maybe the biggest plays that, uh, that Raglan made in a Chiefs uniform. He had the fumble return for a touchdown against the Broncos this year, the game in which Mahomes was injured, and the defense just played lights out great at um, – at Denver. And two years ago, he had an end zone interception of Tom Brady in the AFC championship game. So Reggie Ragland, not without his contributions in a chief's uniform, just not the player. I think that, uh, that the chiefs envisioned when they acquired him.
1: Yeah. Going back to that Denver game. If you remember that, the Broncos started off the year on a losing streak. And then all of a sudden I think they put together like two or three wins leading up to that game. And it was because of Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay was was, was on a, a nice little running tear there along with Royce uh, Freeman. And so you put Raglan in there and they they shut down the run and they forced Joe Flacco to become one dimensional. And that really helped them out to win that game. So right. yeah, it goes back to you need a linebacker. And I think the Chiefs know this. you got to have a guy who can be on the field all the time and not just for situations. And I, and I think that's what they're probably going to be looking for.
0: Okay, Herbie, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, there's a couple more players who uh, who there's been some movement with that we, you and I have had a chance to talk about. And we'll do that right after this. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news features and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30, that's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that, they'll just sneak it on there, we just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit kansascity.com/slash sportsbeatkc offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Back with Herbie Teope, who covers the Chiefs on a daily basis for the star. Herbie, we talked a week ago today, which is Tuesday, and in the morning, and then later that day, or I think into the it was actually at in about eight o'clock in the at night, the, the Chiefs announced they had signed Mike Pinnell and Anthony Sherman. Um, and that day, or maybe it was the next day, we found out that Blake Bell, the tight end, was moving on to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, I, I don't think any either of us was surprised about the uh, bringing back Pinnell and Sherman, but Blake Bell kind of surprised me a little bit. Basically, essentially, he he picked the the Cowboys over the Chiefs. And does this change the Chiefs' draft approach when it comes to the tight end position?
1: I don't believe so, and I, because I think when, when I think of Blake Bell, and you know I wrote about their Tiger personnel package, their, their, their two tight ends set. He was a key component of that, he, but his skill set is more blocking. Uh, I think when you look at the Chiefs' current crop of, of tight ends, you still have Dion Yelder, you still have Nick Kaiser, and, and Elise Mack. Don't forget about this guy. He, I mean, he was a former seventh-round draft pick for the New Orleans Saints just two seasons ago. So you've got competition there, and when you've got competition, Yelder knows the scheme. Nick Kaiser, being on the practice squad the entire year, now knows the scheme. Elise Mack is known more for his receiving capabilities. I think they have enough competition there where they'll be able to find a the guy. They don't need to go out there and draft the tight end early. Now, if you want to bolster competition, by all means, but you don't have to do it early.
0: Okay, and then with Pinnell and Sherman, kind of no-brainers there, weren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sherman, obviously. How can you not bring the guy back? I mean, of all the NFL teams around the National Football League, I can probably count on one hand teams that still rely on the fullback. The Chiefs obviously are going to be up there. And, and Sherman, because he what he means, not just on offense as as the blocking back, but he's a core special teams player. He, he means so much to this team. Pinnell was also a no-brainer because the Chiefs' run defense took off last year once Pinnell was... Finally inserted as a main piece of that interior rotation.
0: Okay, so coming up later today, and this is something I guess we can talk about uh, down the road. the The owners, the NFL owners, are meeting via teleconference like everyone else is these days, and they're going to uh, expected to approve the expanded playoff bracket. So NFL playoffs will go from you know six teams in each conference to seven. We've talked about it a little bit only the only the, the the overall number one in in each conference will get the bye. two through seven will will play to um, uh, on, on on the first weekend of the playoff so that means if, if the if this had been in effect last season the Chiefs would have played an opening round game or a wild card game and it's the Baltimore Ravens instead of the Ravens and the Chiefs having the the first weekend off it would have just have been the Ravens um, I, I I understand the need to do this, and this this also came out of the 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 CBA discussions, did it not? That uh, the NFL owners are just looking for a way to add revenue at a time when they're going to be spending more on expanded rosters and uh, and and other you know, just other other expenses for on the ownership side.
1: Yeah, and then. It makes sense in a lot of ways. You know, the NFL is continuing to grow. It's it's a it's a runaway multi billion dollar cash cow <laughs> for all the league owners, uh, for all the the broadcast deals they sign. So why not give the people what they want? You know, the fact that it passed was was amazing to me. I, I just didn't think that it would, uh, especially now. You know, you're expanding it to a 17 game season. Not necessarily this year, but you know, maybe as early as 2021. So, you know, there's obviously an appetite for football. I think it's going to change a lot uh, the way teams approach the end of the year where you see teams that clinch, you know, they'll tend to rest their starters. Now you're going to see a lot of people knowing that the only buy you're going to get is if you have the number one. So you're going to see a lot more competitive games towards the end of the year.
0: Yeah, think about this past year for the Chiefs I, I was thinking about this 16 regular season games over 17 games season like everybody gets the you know they get a bye week at some point in there the Chiefs came late because it came after the Mexico City game and then they get another bye week because of their standing in the uh, in the AFC entering the playoffs so uh, and then play three playoff games so it's a it's a it's w- w- if you throw in the preseason, that's 23 games, uh, played over what amounts to what, 25, 26 weeks. And, um, it's a lot of football for sure. And with the 17 game schedule that I think you're right is coming down the pike for 2021. Uh, there will not be an additional open week from what I understand they'll, they'll still just have the the one buy. I may be wrong about that. Maybe that's still open to discussion, but, um, uh, but that's, uh, it's a lot of football to play in. in um, and I know one of the issues the players had was um, they, especially the veteran players didn't like the idea of a 17 game regular season, but ownership won that one. They want more revenue. They're going to get more revenue. And, um, and that's what the CBA is about. Everybody feels that they, they got to give and take a little bit. And, uh, and, and so the uh, that this is what's going to happen. Uh, I guess one of the other discussion points with the with the owners is what networks will carry these games, and I think CBS and NBC are going to be the winners uh, on, on in that realm. So uh, the other thing I was wondering, you know, how many times has uh, uh, if if this seven game playoff bracket had been applied in history how many times would a team with a losing record have been in the playoffs and nfl.com did the research for us and found that only once only once would a seventh-seeded team have entered the playoffs with a losing record uh since 1990 which was the year that the playoffs expanded from 10 to 12 teams so i I thought that was interesting
1: yeah and and there have been examples of teams with losing records winning their divisions most recently the seahawks a couple years ago they were seven to nine or something like that. So, you know, if anything, you know what, give the people, it goes back to, again, give the people what they want. They want football, give them football.
0: There you go. And I remember the, the Broncos, the Tim Tebow Broncos won the division with an eight and eight record just a few years back as well. So it, 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 it does happen. And, um and, and, the NFL, even with the expanded playoffs, with 14 teams in the playoffs starting uh, next season, will still be behind the NHL and the NBA in terms of percentage of its teams that qualify for the postseason. Uh, the NFL or the NBA and the NHL are over 50 percent. More than half of their teams play in the postseason. The NFL will still be under 50 percent. So, um, I, look, the best teams are still going to be playing for uh, in, in the NFL playoffs, Herbie, what, um, you have got a mock draft coming up, uh, probably one of several. Uh, what, what, what are you thinking these days for, for the Chiefs as you start preparing for NFL mock drafts?
1: I'm glad you actually brought that up because <laughs> <laughs> you had forgotten all about it. <laughs> Here, here's my thought process on mock drafts. Okay? And I, because when I used to do them, first off, I'll, I'll be honest, I hate mock drafts. Okay? And, and there, there's a reason why, it's because too many people put too much stock in them. A mock draft, there is absolutely zero science to it. I, I think when you look at the people who do it the most, they even are wrong, because the beauty is forever in the eyes of the beholder. The way I approach mock drafts is, I look at positions. I don't necessarily look at a player. I look at positions. What makes sense, and, and then I go in into explaining why this position makes sense at this, in this round, etc. So, and and then if I put a player there, just Get get you know, this is an opportunity to get to know about a player. Not necessarily, hey, the Chiefs are gonna Herbie Kyopi says the Chiefs are gonna draft so and so. That's not what this exercise is about. It's what makes sense to me. And that's the key thing that I think when people read mock drafts, they lose sight of. I'm not I'm not gunning for a hundred percent hundred percent correctness here because nobody's gonna get a hundred percent. You know, I, I challenge anyone out there that does mock drafts for for a living, show me where you were more than ten percent correct. <laughs> the bottom line with mock drafts for me i think it's a good exercise getting to know a player and, and so if, if the chiefs do draft them or if a team does draft them now you know all about them you know when i used to do this with on um, when i was on the saints beat you know i actually got maybe one or two players correct but you know players excuse me readers were able to understand why i picked that position
0: I don't think anything has changed from uh, what we have discussed since the end of the season that cornerback is still a uh, it's one of the one of the positions of need for the chiefs. and we wouldn't be surprised if. Um, if that was the, 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 the first player taken for the Chiefs, is, is someone at that position, what are the other two? What, what else would you put up there in terms of priority? So, if, if the corner that they want is off the board, but they really like a guy at this position, uh, we might see him t- picked. Who, what position is that?
1: Well, I, th- I think that you can go a slew of positions here, it's also going to depend if. if- if they go with the best player available, you know that's the other thing too. That that's always going to be the key thing in the draft. I, I think cornerback you mentioned there, it, that's got to be at the top of their priority list because I know they brought in Antonio Hamilton, but his his niche is on special teams. Breland is still flo- Bashad Breland is still floating out there in free agency. Surprisingly to me that he doesn't have a market, but if they if they somehow cannot bring him back on hundred and seventy-seven dollars, you know. You got got to draft a cornerback and this year's draft class has quite a few good quality players who can be plug and play options. I think with the 32nd overall pick, that's what you got to be on the lookout for who can immediately come in here and contribute outside of that. I'm probably going linebacker because that's, that's, they need a coverage linebacker. I'm probably going offensive line. Mike Remmers, even though they signed him, he's no spring chicken. You know, he's going to be entering his ninth season, Mitchell Schwartz is getting up there in age. Eric Fisher is getting up there in age. Sooner or later, you're going to have to draft a tackle who can be a swing-type option. I think running back has to be on the menu here. Uh, The Chiefs, as as we know, spent a lot of time doing formal interviews with running backs at the NFL Scouting Combine. And once again, I want to reemphasize to the listeners out there, this year, teams could only do 45 formal interviews, down from 60. So if you're spending 45 interviews, part of that those 45 interviews with a certain position group, that's got to be on. You got to think that's got to be on the menu here. Hey,
0: that, that's another point, Herbie. Uh, that uh, as, as we wind down, I wanted to ask you about is um, th- this year obviously is different for so many reasons for the Chiefs, for the NFL overall, and for the Chiefs in particular. The Chiefs, you know, getting to and winning the Super Bowl. Um, and and now in the uh, uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic that we're in that has uh, that has ended it pro days and physicals and other types of scouting that would happen right now in the NFL. Um, I I, I got to think the 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 teams that are most organized that did their homework in advance that really scouted the heck out of Senior Bowl and uh, d- did the things that uh, you know that, that did your due diligence I guess uh, are, are going to take advantage of the current situation. My question is because the Chiefs were so tied up in postseason you know NFL postseason this year were they able to approach the offseason with the same type of energy and commitment that they have in previous years.
1: I think absolutely. What people don't people need to understand too, the scouting doesn't start at the end of a college football season. It starts during the season. Uh, I can remember going out there to my alma mater when when they would let me up there in the press box, you would see chief scouts in there. You know, at the beginning of the year, you have your area scouts who are going around the entire country attending football games as the NFL regular season is going on because that's their primary mission. I remember after the Chiefs clinched the conference championship game when Brett Veach was in the locker room, uh, as you recall, I specifically asked him, hey, the senior bowl is next week. You're going to be preparing for the Super Bowl. Who's going to be at the senior bowl? And he, he basically said, hey, we'll, we'll have a presence there. You know, that, that that's part of the scouting process. You know, Veach may not have necessarily gone to Mobile, but his personnel staff was out there. So I think they haven't lost anything as far as the scouting process process is concerned, with the exception of the lack of pro days, with the lack of pro day, um, excuse me, pre-draft visits, because you're allowed 60 of those, right. excuse me, you're allowed 30 of those, but the pre-draft visits are more for if you have follow-ups on medical issues, if you have follow-ups on um, juniors who did not attend the senior bowl or were not invited to the combine, that's, that's what the pre-draft visits are for, or if you have follow-ups on guys you spoke to at the combine, now you want to bring him in for a face-to-face for the entire day. You know that the NFL has has dealt with this by allowing teams to have FaceTime interviews with players. There's a lot of pros and cons to that and, and to me in my opinion, uh, you do get a chance to still talk to these prospects, which is the pro. I think the con to that is you don't you don't have the the advantage of watching body language, you know, because when when you were doing video conference calls the camera is located right smack on my face. You don't see what the rest of my body is doing if you're asking me an uncomfortable question. How am I How am I reacting to that? And I think that's where the part that gets lost in it. But as far as the overall draft process, it'll be a challenge for teams like the Chiefs because you don't have the two months before the draft of pro days and pre-draft visits and, and pre-draft workouts. But as far as scouting and identifying players, I think that process is is taken care of because that thing started at the beginning of the college football season.
0: All right. Gotcha. And it's, you know, as of right now, the chiefs just with the five draft picks and, uh, and really not in any position to waste any of them this year. So, all right, Herbie, great stuff. Uh, Always enjoy it. And we'll catch up again next week. Well, that'll do it for today. Thanks for listening and thanks to the production team of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Links to the stories we discussed are in the show notes. Follow the coverage of the Chiefs and all of Kansas City Sports in the Star and on KansasCity.com and nobody is bringing you better regional coverage of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic than KansasCity.com. We'll be back on Wednesday with another SportsBKC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.